and welcome to the first episode in a series of podcasts I've titled The Parson and the Songmen. The podcasts are about the Reverend Sabine Baring Gould, an exceptional Devonshire parson and squire, referred to as a squaresome. This was a title given to a member of the clergy who was also the landowner of the parish. He is probably best remembered as the composer of the hymn Onward Christian Soldiers. He was born in Exeter in 1834 and he died at his home, Lutrenchard Manor, in 1924. As 2024 is the centenary of his death, it is an opportunity for me, through these podcasts, to spotlight what he considered to be the most important achievement of his life, that of collecting the old songs of Devon and later Cornwall, as he termed it, from the mouths of the people. The podcast will be a new source of spreading the songs to an audience I hope will be far greater than Sabine could ever have imagined. He was the first to collect the traditional folk songs from well over 60 singers in Devon. In future podcasts there will be more about the man, his wife and large family, his many other interests and achievements in what was a very busy long life, plus a song or two from his collection with references to its singer and the song itself. My link to Sabine goes back to the mid-1960s, when I started to sing in the folk clubs of Birmingham. Two of the first songs I learned were from those collected by Sabine and were included in a book titled Cano Kerno, a collection of Cornish folk songs edited by Inglis Gundry and published in 1966 by the Federation of Old Cornwall Societies. One of the songs, the Eglisale Ringers, I sing to this day. As I learnt more songs from this book, I became interested in the parson from whose song collection Gundry had included 13 songs, with many reference to him, in Cano Kerno. Since those formative singing days in the folk clubs of Brum, my repertoire today consists of many more songs collected by Sabine. My interest in the songs he collected has led to research into his life, family and many other interests he pursued, as well as that of collecting folk songs. Delving into his collection of folk songs has been rewarding for me, with folk songs to sing, stories to tell and tunes to play in performances over the years at folk clubs and festivals, village halls, WIs, churches, the Eden Project, local radio stations and radios BBC Devon and Cornwall, St Austell Brewery (laughs) and not forgetting to mention quite a few pubs. The Devon songs come from towns and villages scattered across the county, with many from the area to the western edge of Dartmoor, close to Sabine's home. Those from Cornwall are not so extensive in the number of places visited, possibly because of the distance and his time away from Loo. He spent roughly 15 years, 1888 to 1903, crisscrossing his native Devon on foot, by dogcart, horse-drawn carriage and by train, across the Tamar into Cornwall, song collecting. Sabine's foray into collecting folk songs started in 1888, one evening as a dinner guest at the house of his friend, Mr Daniel Radford of Mount Tavy. Over dinner, the subject turned to if any of the guests knew old Devon folk songs. The following is from Sabine himself in a passage from his book Further Reminiscences, 1864-1894. to 
I'm going to pause here to explain that Further Reminiscences were two autobiographies written by Sabine covering the first 60 years of his life. The first book, 1834-64, to 64, was published in 1923. The second, 1864-94, to published posthumously in 1925, the year after his death. Both were published by Bodley Head. The third was planned, but it does not seem to appear anywhere. Much of my research has come from further reminiscences. And now here is the quote from Sabine. The conversation turned upon Devonshire songs. Some of those present knew Ascot of Tedcott, and some knew Whittacombe Fair, but none could recall others such as the Oxen Ploughing or the Green Broom in their entirety, though some remembered snatches of them, and I remembered how when I was a boy I had ridden round Dartmoor and had put up at little taverns. In them I had seen men sitting and smoking and heard them sing ballads. I mentioned this. My host said to me, Come. You are the man to undertake the job of collecting these songs and airs. It must be done at once, or it cannot be done at all, for in a few years they will be lost. Sabine then continues the tale in his book. I shall not forget my walk back next day from Mount Tavy to Loo. My mind was in ferment. I considered that I was on the outstart of a great and important work. And to this day, I consider that the recovery of our West Country melodies has been the principal achievement of my life. That walk back from Mount Tavy to his house at Lou Trenchard is roughly 10 miles across country and must have given Sabine time to think about his new project and how to set about this important work of song collecting. As he had written, there is no doubt that it was an important achievement. And he was not wrong. He was the first to collect the folk songs in his native Devon. If he had not done so, then this important part of our traditional musical heritage of the West Country, as his friend Daniel Radford had said that night at dinner, would have been lost forever. The following quote again I take from further reminiscences and perhaps best sums up how right Daniel Radford had been in his assumption that there was no time to lose in seeking out singers and their songs. This quote is from of one of the old songmen, Roger Luxton, from the village of Howell. Ah, Your Honour, said he, in old times I shall to be welcome, every farmhouse, at all shearings, hastels and harvest feasts, but bless ye, now the farmers' daughters all learn the peony, and sing naught but twittery sort, and they don't care to hear us and any sort of decent music. And there be no more shearings and hastels and harvest feasts. Ah, them things is given up. Back in my early singing days of the mid-sixties, when singing the Eglisale Ringers, little did I realise then that some forty or so years later I would come to live in a hamlet but ten miles to the south of the village of Eglisale. The village sits on the eastern bank of the River Camel, with the town of Weybridge opposite on the west bank, both being just a few miles inland from the Camel Estuary on the North Cornish coast. Bell ringing has long been a popular pastime in village churches here in Devon and Cornwall, and as this song describes, the teams of ringers travelled from village to village in competition. Sadly, few churches have teams of ringers today. Having moved a few years ago from mid-Cornwall across the Tamar into Devon, I now feel privileged to live in the village of Bridge Rule, whose belfry still carries the joyous sound of its bells. 
As the Eglisale Ringus was the first of Sabine's songs I learned, so it fits to be the first song in this first podcast. This is from a live recording made at the Eden Project for my CD, By Chance It Was. If you would like a copy of the CD, listen in to the next podcast for information on how to buy one. And this is the Eglisale Ringus. Come all you ringers, good and grave, come listen to my peal. I'll tell you of five ringers brave that lived in Aglisale. They bear the sway in any array where'er they chance to go. Good music of melodious bells is their delight to show. The foreman gives the signal, he steps long with the toe, and he casts his eye about them all and he gives the sign to go. Away they pull with courage full, the heart it do revive. To hear em swing and music bring one, two, three, four and five. There's Craddock the Cordwainer first that rings the treble bell. And the second is John Ellery and there's none may him excel. The fourth is Pollard Carpenter, the fifth is Thomas Cleave. Good fellow is the tenor man that rings them round so brave. They went up to Lanlivery, and there they won the prize. And then they went to Santudi, and there they did likewise. They're Stratton men, St. Mabin men, St. Issy and St. Q. But the five lads of Eglisale can all the rest outdo. Now to conclude my merry task, the sovereign's health will join. Stand every man, I'll pass the flask, and I'll drink his health in wine. And here's to Craddock Ellery, and here's to Thomas Cleave. Good fellow is the tenor man that brings them round so brave. Accompanying me on several tracks on the CD is John Kirkpatrick, famed player of the concertina, melodeon and accordion. The following is from the notes in Sabine's book, Songs of the West, about this song. I'd like to pause here because Songs of the West, the book, I refer to an awful lot in these podcasts. This was a book that was first published in four parts. It had 110 songs spread over them and it was published in 1889. Then those four parts became one book in 1892. In the back of the book, we have a lot of detailed references of the songs, the singer, and a lot of historical information about some of the songs as well. So much detail in the back. And so that is why I keep referring to Songs of the West. So you know where we are. This is about the song Eglisale Ringers. It was taken down from John Martin, a shoemaker of Milton Abbott, who learned it from his wife's uncle, who died in 1868 and had been a ringer at St. Q. The village of St. Q is mentioned in the song and is a few miles north of Eglisale village. The song can be traced back to 1810. All the singers mentioned in the song lie in the graveyard of Eglisale. Sadly, what is now, for some of them, over 170 years, of the wild winds and rain of North Cornwall, the stone's inscriptions are illegible. When it came to be printed in full, Songs of the West had 110 songs, as I've already said, with music from Devon and Cornwall. 
In the notes to the songs in the back of the book, Sabine gives detailed background information and the songs and the singer. It is in the notes to some of the songs that he had altered, cleaned up if you like, that he deemed indelicate, obscene, etc., that we in some cases find the original words. This I find strange. Perhaps he thought no one would bother looking in the back of the book in the small print. There is much for me to tell in future podcasts about this exceptional Devon Parson who came to realise the historical importance of his songs he collected. In his mind, there was an urgent need for them to be collected, then sung and heard again. As future editions of these podcasts are aired, I will tell you how we very quickly, with help, amassed enough songs to have Songs of the West with piano accompaniment published in four parts. The books were aimed at those of the middle classes who had a drawing room with a piano. As I quoted from the singer, Roger Luxton, earlier, Ah, Your Honour, but blessy, now the farmers' daughters all learn the peony. <laughs> Roger Luxton had got that right, don't you think? They with the peony wanted a bit of proper Devon music and song. The first print run of Songs of the West was in 1889, and in total a further six editions of the book were published over the following 36 years. There was obviously an interest, musical audience, out there in the Victorian and then Edwardian eras. Then, to emphasise getting them heard as well as being played in the drawing rooms of the middle and upper classes, he organised a grand tour of towns in Devon and Cornwall. This was some achievement when you think about it. He starts collecting in the early autumn of 1888. The first part of Four Parts of Songs of the West is published and goes on sale in 89. And then in 1890, the Grand Tour hits the roads of the far west country. All that achieved in less than two years. Then if that was not enough, to keep this exceptional Devon Parson busy, in 1891, a tour of America was proposed. All this and much more I will tell in more detail about him and of course sing a few of his songs, play some tunes he collected in future podcasts of The Parson and the Songman. I'm Mike Bosworth, I hope you enjoyed this and you will listen to further podcasts. Thank you, bye bye. <laughs>